going to take a long time, but I am going to read you some verses of Scripture. I hope you have maybe logged on through the link that is on our website or you got on to Sight and Sound. I think TBN has uh, been able to uh, uh, get the exclusive rights to broadcast uh, the uh, Sight and Sound drama Jesus uh, that was done out in Pennsylvania. And it is a, a, it's a great, it's about two hours, but it's a tremendous uh, drama and it's amazing how many verses and scriptures and it, it's not all exactly right. In fact, the story that I'm going to read today, uh, they do it just a little different on that drama, but uh, overall, I would say it's worth it. I think Friday, Saturday, and today is the last day that you can log on for free, but uh, I hope you will do that. Take some time and study or talk about the Easter story. I know our uh, hyphen, I mean, our Sunday school group has been working on uh, putting out some videos and they've been doing a tremendous job and they've been Zooming and we're going to Zoom at the end of service for those that are able to get online. Uh, we'll be in the, I'll be having a Zoom meeting uh, for any of you that want to join me. And there's uh, links to all of that as well. And they're all also online. But uh, John, the 20th chapter, sort of records this Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, as we like to call it, <clears throat> when it says, the first day of the week comes and Mary uh, Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher or to where they had put him and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Uh, then she comes and runs back and comes to Simon Peter uh, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And that is John who was the author of this book. He referred to himself there in the third person, uh, the other disciple and says to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. And so she is at that point uh, distressed. She is distraught and uh, it doesn't say that Mary was accompanied by anyone, that she had come on her own. Uh, and when she sees the stone being, uh, has been moved, she immediately turns and runs to go and get uh, the disciples, Simon Peter and the other disciples, and she tells them something has happened, and they come running back to the tomb and uh, the John is very detailed in his uh, discussion of these events it's obvious he was a uh, he was there he talks about the fact that he outran uh, Simon but that when he gets there he doesn't go in the tomb but Simon is the first one in the tomb and um, then he saw the grave close and then you go on and read down at at the ninth verse, starting at the ninth verse, it says, For as yet 
They knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So even though Jesus, for the last year or more of his ministry and life, he had been telling them, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer. I must die. A grain of wheat must fall into the ground. He told them. In fact, it made Simon Peter so mad at one point that he challenged him and said, nope, you're not going to suffer. And the Lord rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. And yet this was all an amazing surprise. They had not put together the scriptures. They had been living this in real time. They could not see the, the, the importance of what was going on. And it's kind of amazing because it's almost like we see that same mentality today. Here we are living in signs and times that are talked about in the Bible and things that are happening that are, are so seemingly evident of what's going on. Of, of the end time and how the Lord could absolutely change the economy overnight and take away the money and get us under a one world sort of uh, understanding. All of those things are happening in such major ways. And those of you who have been in the church and read and studied the Bible, we're just pointing and going, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. This is amazing. And we read about the earthquakes and we read... And and yet other people are just oblivious to what's going on. It's like they don't realize. And the disciples were that way. They were living it. They had talked to the Lord, but they couldn't imagine it. They couldn't understand it. In fact, he said they did not even understand about the resurrection from the dead. And the disciples went home. They left the tomb. I don't know what they thought. Well, somebody stole him. Somebody's taken him. I don't know who it was. You remember uh, they had, um, the, the Sanhedrin had wanted Pilate, made Pilate put a, a squadron of soldiers there to guard it for fear that he was good. They were, the disciples were going to steal the body because they talked about how he said he was going to be raised on the third day. So amazingly, some of the people thought, wow, he's going to come up. And yet the disciples themselves were just like, Ah, this is amazing. What's happened? I don't know if they just thought it's not possible or what it was about that. But they, they just turned and went home. And Mary stayed around and began to cry. She was so moved. He had delivered her from such a horrendous life in the past. And he had set her free just with the power of his words. And he had cast out the devils from her. And he had done so much in her life that she wept and she stooped down and she looked into the sepulcher. And there were two angels sitting, one at the head and the one at the feet. And look where the body of Jesus had been. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, my master, and I don't know where they have laid him. I'm weeping because I just wanted to be near him, even though he's gone, even though he's lifeless, even though he has no life left in him, even though I know that a lot of people are disappointed. I just wanted 
to be near his body. And when she said those words, all of a sudden, she turned around, and the Bible says she saw Jesus standing. Now, all of this is an amazing proof text of the authenticity of the Bible because remember 2,000 years ago women were not given a very high place of preeminence or prominence in any kind of, of a society. They were often m as uh, much more than just property or cattle that could be bought or sold or traded and yet they record that Mary was the first individual, a woman, a woman who had a terrible past, was the first one to actually see Jesus after he was resurrected. And yet she doesn't know who he is and she thinks he's the gardener. And this man says, woman, why weepest thou? Whom do you seek? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, <clears throat> says to him, Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've laid him, and, and I will take him away. I will go. And then Jesus did something very amazing. He just simply called her by name. He said, Mary. And there was just something about the fact that Jesus spoke her name, that she knew who he was. I'm here to tell you that that's what's so exciting about today is because when you repent and you call on the Lord and you say, Lord, help me, I need your presence, he will come to you and he knows you by name. He knows how many hair you have on your head. He knows everything about you. In fact, the Bible talks in Revelation about being given a new name with a new stone. And I, I get all of that. But here he was. And she said, he said, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, and, and which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Don't touch me, for I am not yet ascended unto my Father. Notice, I am not yet ascended unto my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them. And then this is the phrase that is so amazing. I ascend unto my Father and to your Father. Unto my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples all the things that she had seen, that she had seen the Lord and spoke all about all the things that he had said unto her. But that phrase, when Jesus, the resurrected Christ, said, it's my Father and your Father, my God and your God. All of a sudden, he was elevating Mary to a place of equality with him. You are now a child of God. You are now a son of God. I, I, you see, Jesus had for three and a half years done all kinds of amazing things. We know about the miraculous birth and we know all of that, but just the very fact that he had performed all these miracles that proved he was the son of God, that he had some amazing power that nobody else had. When you were, you know, all of a sudden, you know, feeding not 
5,000 once, but more than once. And just by blessing the food and taking a little boy's lunch, that you can't do. You don't do that in human, uh, you know, with human manipulation and human hands. We open blinded eyes and delivering people possessed. And whether it was a little girl or whether it was a demoniac, and he had done all these things. He had walked on water. He had spoken to storms. And when, when he spoke to them, they would say, truly, this is the Son of God. Because there's no way a human can do this. He was trying to prove to them who he was. In fact, he raised a little dead girl and he raised Lazarus. He raised the dead. And there's nobody that can do that but God. And for He had been trying to pound into his disciples and yet they weren't able to get it because during the last week he had suffered as the Son of Man. They had seen the human part of him. Oh, they had seen it before. He was hungry. He slept. He prayed. He wept. But now they see him in a human weakness. And they heard him cry. They watched him bleed. They watched as he went through the trial. They watched as the crown of thorns had been placed on his head. They watched as he was suffering as the, as the son of man. Now these were Jews that, that they did not have access to the presence of the Lord. As a woman, they had a special place that they could stand on the outskirts but not even come in. And as a man, if you were not of the tribe of Levi, you only went so far and then that's where you stopped. And the, only the Levites and only the very religious and only the very the very, very religious, the high priest once a year could go in to where the Ark of the Covenant was and the presence of God. And so they didn't have access to God. The Jews at that time didn't even pray like we pray. They didn't even want to speak the name of God. It was blasphemous. The name of God was spelled Y-H-W-H. There's no vowels in that. And so it was not able to be pronounced. We have written it in the Bible as Jehovah or Yahweh or the Lord in capitals, but it's really something that's not presented or ever talked about. In fact, if you will read Jewish literature today and you are reading their books, you will find that they won't even write the word God. They will put G-D because the name of God is so holy, that lest we say it in slang and lest we say it in blasphemy, we would not want to desecrate that name. And yet, when God had spoken to Abraham, he said something like, I am. When Abraham, I mean, when Moses rather said, who am I going to say sent me? Well, it's I am. The I am has sent you. Well, John's gospel records numerous times that Jesus referred to himself as that name of God, I am. Ego Amy in the Greek. And yet, it made, the, it made the Sanhedrin and the religious very angry when he would say, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am. Oh, they didn't like that. You're treading on dangerous ground. In fact, this very week, one of the last times 
that Jesus used that phrase was in the garden whenever the disciples were there and they had been in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden the soldiers rushed in with Judas and Judas walked up and kissed him on the cheek and they said, he said, who'd you come for? And they said, we've come for Jesus of Nazareth. And he simply said, I am he. And one of the writers talks about how immediately just the utterance of that name, bam, the soldiers fell back. That's how powerful that name was. And yet Jesus' whole purpose was that, and I, I showed you the verse there in John, they fell backward and fell to the ground when he said that. But Jesus' purpose was to give access to the presence of God. That's why he went to Calvary. That's why his blood was shed. That's why his body was broken. He became the sacrificial lamb. And now he says to Mary, I ascend unto my father and to your father, unto my God and to your God. You see, his life was spent with one purpose and one goal was to make God accessible to all of us, to us here in 2020 sitting at home or wherever we are to say, God is now accessible to me. I can feel his presence. Wow. Oh, he was born in a stable to a poor family. His first sermon was talked about how blessed they were. And even in that first sermon, he said, let me teach you how to pray. Matthew, the sixth chapter. But when thou prayest, enter thy closet. And when you shut the door, pray to the Father. Another place. What do you mean to the Father? Oh, we don't even get to talk to God. We don't even get to say the name of God. And he was saying, I want you to be able to say to the Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. <laughs> Later on, when he taught them the actual words, he says, be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask after this manner pray ye <laughs> our father and we could say it right now <laughs> our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven I know when we're here we pray together and I know we normally have corporate prayer and I know we're, we're now separated in our homes and we, and, but yet the Lord started this discussion by saying you must have a secret place of prayer if there's nothing else that this COVID will do, I hope it will make us find a place at home where we know how to pray, where we learn how to worship. <laughs> now I'm being forced to be able to pray at home. I'm being forced, you know, sometimes, and I don't believe it was all of us, but I imagine there are some people that the only time they pray is whenever they come to church or the only time they prayed or the only time they put on a song and worshiped and raised their hands and danced around was when they were, they were here in church. If they weren't here, they were just too busy. I've got too much to do and I've got this to do and I've got that to do. And now for the last few days and the next few weeks, however long this takes, the Lord is saying, you're 
need to worship at home. You need to learn how to praise God at home. You don't need to wait until we're back together. Right now, take your family, build an altar. Oh, I, you say, well, I know God sees where we are. Sure, I, I realize he sees where we are. He hears us when we pray, and yet he knows what we have need of before we even ask. And yet he said, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done and on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying the first part of your prayer needs to acknowledge God, you're holy, you're our Father, you're awesome. Before we start to give me, give me this, give us. And notice he didn't say pray give me, but he said give us. What are you saying? Sometimes I know I, I get, you know, I'm a child and I get selfish and I, I want it for me and God give it to me. But it does my heart good as a grandparent and as a parent when mine were younger when they would say, can I have one, please? And then, can I have one for sister? Can I have one for, oh, wow. It's not just about you. It's about give us. And so at this time, here we are trying to corporately say, and I, I listened to President Trump's address on a Good Friday whenever he asked the nation, gave the nation an Easter blessing, and, and he repeatedly said, I want our nation to pray, to pray, to pray. And the minister that he had pray at that time began to pray in Jesus' name. What are you saying? This Easter, some of the first words that Jesus spoke, he spoke to all of us when he said, I go to my Father and to your Father. This was the whole thrust of his purpose was I want to give you access into my presence. So here we are, Easter Resurrection Sunday morning, saying, Lord, let us feel your presence. And I know it's, we've gone and I've preached too long. I told him I was going to preach 10 minutes. I'm sorry. But I want you just to stay and worship with us for a few moments wherever you are at home. If you need to stand, stand. If you need to raise your hands, raise your hands. I know the kids are getting ready for lunch and I know you want to call and get your order in before, but let's just take a moment and just talk to the Father. We have access into the presence of the God that spoke the worlds into existence. What a privilege we have. May the Lord bless you. Tonight we'll have service at five. I hope you'll join us in Jesus' name.